This is the Prosper Stronger Podcast, a community where LDS women gather to cultivate covenant connections and strive to be devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. Hi, and welcome again to the Prosper Stronger Podcast. Today, I am excited, actually, to share with you something that might be a little bit different. About a week and a half ago, I had the opportunity of going on a girls' retreat, just kind of a getaway with a couple of other women. Most of them I didn't know, so I made a bunch of new friends, and it was a very impromptu thing. Our mutual friend just kind of decided that we all could use a little break and some time to relax, but also reconnect and connect with God. So she, in 24 hours, kind of threw together a getaway. And as part of this, she asked me to share a little bit about how I study general conference talks and have a discussion about the recent general conference talks. And so as I met more of these women and we, and we conversed, I thought, you know what? I felt impressed to share with them my techniques I learned from studying the general conference talks as I taught a weekly class for the last five years. And so rather than diving deeply into just one talk, I taught the method that I had learned and developed as the Spirit guided me in becoming a better teacher and a better student of the general conference talks. And I shared it with them. And then we did an exercise where we practiced using some of these techniques in a couple of different talks from the most recent conference. So today I thought, if it's all right with you, I would kind of share the similar strategy or framework that I use to study the general conference talks. Now, you need to know that I did not start out like this. In the process of teaching, you know whenever you get to teach something that you learn a lot more than the students do. And that was the same with me. And it was over this period of many, many years and a lot of trial and error, a lot of prayer, a lot of personal revelation, a lot of studying other gospel teachers that helped me develop this process. And I share that with you because today I'm sharing with you what works for me. And I know that you will find things that work for you. But as I was learning this process myself, and it continues to evolve, but I was able to glean from other people because they shared how they studied and how they learned. And so I hope today maybe there will be just one thing that might jump out at you and you might think, oh, oh, great idea. I'm going to add that to how I study. So please don't take this as I'm telling you exactly how to study the general conference talks. I hope instead that it just might be a source of inspiration or ideas of of what you can do to increase your spiritual capacity to understand and apply and really dig into these marvelous talks that we are given every six months. So first off, there's a lot of different ways we can consume the content of General Conference. And aren't we blessed to have so many options? Of course, we can watch it on TV or on the internet which we couldn't do previously. When I lived out of state and out of the country for a little while, it took us a long time to get conference. Sometimes it was a week delayed or longer. And I was fortunate when we lived in Wisconsin that there was a cable TV station there that some of the members had talked to and been able to work out a situation where that cable TV actually or station actually showed general conference those two weekends. And I was so grateful that we still were able to watch general conference in our home. Now, there were still times when we went to the church to watch it, but with a bunch of small children, 
it was hard to actually be able to focus being there at the church. So I was I was really grateful and felt so blessed to be able to watch it at my home in Wisconsin. But many of you may be in circumstances where you can't watch it on TV. Hopefully you can get it on the internet but or that you can get it afterward. Maybe it's delayed a little bit. Last April, April 2023, I was out of the country and unable to get it on a TV. Like I couldn't actually watch conference. And where I was staying, I happened to be at a work conference and we were at a resort. So it was it was nice and everything. But I was doing the whole thing where you're walking around holding your phone up trying to get a signal. And once I found the place where I could get a solid signal and I could hear the audio general conference, I didn't move. I set my phone very carefully right where it would keep that signal. And fortunately, it happened to be near a swimming pool. This was on Saturday. And so I decided to exercise while I listened. And so I was treading water with an earbud in one ear with my phone about five feet away from me. And then in between every talk, I'd jump out of the pool and I'd write down my notes and my thoughts and then jump back in for the next talk. And if anybody was watching me, they probably thought, what is that crazy lady doing? But all of that to say, we have a lot of different ways we can consume general conference. Once we're done with the live delivery, then we are so blessed to receive and have available to us the talks on the website. You can get on there almost and, and on our apps, our, our gospel library app. It was about, I want to say, within 48 hours that we had the talks, at least the video and the audio, and then the transcript of the talks came later. But that's amazing because even just, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't get them that fast. And so then, of course, we wait, I wait anxiously for my Liahona to come in the mail or to go get it at the store because I love to have the talks in written form. I love to have them in the, what I like about the Liahona, and I know there's other options, like there's some wide margin versions that I think we can get pretty quickly after conference from the Good News brand, I believe is where I was able to get that one most recently. That was a free download, which is so amazing that they make that available. And then we also have available to us through Deseret Book, the journal edition of General Conference, which is also so great. I have several of those right here behind me, which is a great way to study. And you will find your own way of accessing the content that will work best for you. You will find a format that you will enjoy studying from the most. I personally have enjoyed the journal edition of the general conference talks. However, when I'm teaching, these are hard because I have to turn so many pages. And so I like to actually have the Liahona because I can see more of the talk at one time. So I don't love teaching from the journal edition, but I do enjoy using it as a personal study tool. So you will find different ways that you will like to study general conference. And you need to just do what works for you. It doesn't have to be the same as what works for me. My ultimate favorite, though, actually really is just studying in the Liahona. I love the format of how they put the conference talks together. I also really like to see the pictures that they associate with each talk. And I like to see how the talks have been organized. We don't always get that when we see them on the website or even in the journal edition or other other different ways in which the print 
copy is delivered. And so I really like to use the church-produced Liahona. I feel like I gain a little more insight into what the talk, like just the aspects of the talk, and I'll go into that a little bit more. So that was a long way of saying that I, I really love the Liahona, and I'm anxiously awaiting my October 2023, or I guess it would be the November 2023 Liahona, so I can really dig in. I have printed out some of the talks to study already from our last conference, but I can't wait for the Liahona. Now, something else that I do, and I may have mentioned this before, but I will take the Liahona magazines from May and from November, and I spiral bind them. And I put a plastic cover on the front and a, and a sturdy backing on it. And so I use them as kind of a bound, it's like my own bound copy or scriptures of the general conference for that year. I do like to keep my whole year together. One of the reasons is that it just takes up less space on my shelf because the more of these spiral bindings you have, the more space you need. Um, I like it because it protects them. And I'm usually pretty good at kind of remembering what year things were said or when they gave certain talks, but not always great at remembering whether it was in April or in October. So I do like having them as the year together, but you can, you can not do it. You can do it your own way, whatever. Remember, these are just the ways I like to do it. And, and in five years, I might change my mind. So that's what I do now is I study from the actual Liahona. And I have a few other tools that I like to use. One of them is this really fine pencil. This is a, it's a 0.5 millimeter mechanical pencil. And I get these at Sam's Club or anywhere. But it's my favorite little, just very fine. I like to have fine writing utensils so I can take lots of good notes. So that's one of my first tools. And then another one, this is a 0.5. Actually, I prefer the 0.38 of the Pilot G2 uh, pens because, again, really fine. And I can make lots of little notes and, and drawings and other things in there. Um, the next set of tools that I like are my markers, or they're not really, I guess you would call them pens. So I'm holding them up here on the screen. These are the Statler, Stetler, S-T-A-E-D-T-L-E-R, fine liner pens. And they come in a lot of different colors, and they're also in a nice case. So these are my favorites for marking in the Liahona, as well as in my journal edition of the general conference that, that I get from Deseret Book. They are my favorite. This one has 10 colors. The problem with this one is it doesn't have a purple. And so I had to pull up a second pack that is a ballpoint pen and it's a little thicker than I like, but it does have a purple in it. I like to have a lot of different colors because I use the colors for different things that are meaningful to me. I know other people that really enjoy just using regular color pencils, just like a 24 pack of Crayola pencils or a 12 pack. And one of the nice things about these is that you can color in, you know, so you could outline something and then you can color it in with the pencils. Whereas with the pens and the markers, it's a little harder to do that kind of work on your page. So if you're one that likes to do that and you're more artistic, I'm not very artistic. I look at my neighbor's notes and they are beautiful and she's got all these drawings in them and she makes the words look fabulous and and I just mostly write words down and then underline them in color. So if you are truly artistic, I'm sure you will find different tools or maybe some of the same tools or combinations to use. So hopefully that helps you at least get a lay of the land of some of the things that I have 
at my ready when I go to study from the general conference talks. So now let's talk about how I get into these. Now, I had one week to prepare for each lesson, and I typically spent between eight to 10 hours a week. And I hope that doesn't overwhelm you because my personal study, if I wasn't teaching, I wouldn't spend that much time. But I will tell you this. I do believe that when it comes to studying the gospel in the scriptures, in general conference talks, that the amount of time we spend is rewarded. It, it correlates with the experience that we have. And so maybe you can't spend eight to 10 hours a week on studying one talk from general conference. Actually, it was, it was a challenge to do that. So I wouldn't expect that unless you do happen to be teaching. But I find that I can definitely spend 20 to 30 minutes a day studying a talk. And sometimes 15 is enough. But giving it a focus, giving it time is part of the process. So I actually have a six-step process that I follow, or there's two different frameworks that I use. The first is what I'm looking for when I study. So kind of as I go through the talk, here's some of the key things that I they look for while I study. And then the second framework is more of what am I doing to help me discover or, or reveal more of those six things. So I'm going to talk first about the six things that I'm looking for. Now, there are more that I do look for, but these are the six, the core, and I don't want to overwhelm you. So I'll just talk about these six today. But the first three came from President or Elder David A. Bednar. And he said that when we study our general conference talks, there's three things that we should always be paying attention to and that you can always find. Those three things are first, be watching for the doctrines and the principles that will be taught or that are being taught in the talk. Second is to pay attention to the invitations to act. When President Nelson says, I plead with you or I invite you, every talk has what we might call, if you were if you were a marketer or influencer or social media, whatever, we call, say it's a call to action. Or if you were a teacher, this would be the homework, right? This would be what we're asking you to do. So this is the invitation to act or to apply what is being taught. So again, we have principles and doctrine. Invitation to act is the second thing. Third thing is the promised blessings. Every invitation to act, they follow up with a blessing that will come if you do the things that they are teaching. And I've seen it in every single talk. You will find all three of these things. So that's where I start. Then I like to look for questions. Now, these might be questions that are actually in the talk that the speaker may say, may ask a question. It's okay, underline that question. If they're asking a question, it usually means it's an important point. So I'm looking for questions that the speaker is asking. And then I'm also seeking for questions that I would ask myself. And usually that question starts with, so what does this mean for me? Or how might I, might I apply this principle? Or do I ever do X? Or how could I do better at Y? So I'm going along thinking, okay, what are the questions they're asking? And then what questions can I ask myself? Or could I ask those that are in the class or maybe my family members if I'm teaching it? So again, we have principles and doctrines, invitations to act, promise blessings. Then I'm looking for questions. 
and questions have to do with application. And then one, the fifth thing is I actually look at the structure of the talk. Now, this isn't something where I read it and say, okay, I'm reading just to see the structure. What I find is that the more I'm in the talk, the more the structure jumps out at me. And some of the speakers make it so, so easy. They'll say, here's the five-finger promise, right? Emily Freeman did that, and she gave us a five-finger promise. Or here are the three things I've learned that matter most. First, second, third, right? Um, sometimes they're laid out that way, and it makes it super easy, and you can grasp the structure. But even in those talks, the more time I spend in the talk, the more I see substructures. And those substructures are so powerful in opening up revelation and instruction and understanding more of what the speaker and the church leader is actually trying to share with us. And so I'll, I'll show you one of those in a minute. And then the last thing is I ask myself the question, what is the desired result? If President Nelson is giving us a talk, what is it he hopes to see happen in our lives as a result of this talk? What action does he hope we will take? What transformation does he hope to see? Why would they be addressing us with this information and what is the outcome they hope for? What is the change they seek? So I, that's always a question I'm asking as I study. So those are the six things that I focus on as I study each talk. Now, here's the process of how I go about looking for those six things. So one of the things that I started doing is I kind of made up a mantra for myself, and that was touch the talk every day. Touch the talk. Now a touch could be listening to it, listening just on, you know, the gospel library app. It could be watching it. A lot of times I would just put it on and I would be making dinner and I was just listening and watching the talk as I was making dinner. And a touch could be actually reading it, marking it up, whatever, whatever step I'm on in the process. So listening, watching, or reading that would be touching the talk. And I tried to touch the talk every day. And as I progressed, I usually tried to touch it twice every day, or at least in two different ways. So I might read it in the morning. And then at dinner time, I would watch it while I was making dinner to get two touch points. Or I would listen to it while I was driving my children around or running errands, and then go back and take some notes or something like that. Some days I only get once, but other days I try to get twice. Now, before I touch the talk every day, I have to know which talk I'm going to be studying. So the first thing to do is to be prayerful about which talk to study that week. And when I was teaching, it was up to me to create the schedule. So I was prayerful and tried to map out a schedule so that I knew which talk for each week. Sometimes I felt impressed to do a certain talk on a specific week. Other times I felt like I only had maybe the talk for that week and, and had to wait patiently until the Spirit would reveal to me the next talk. Other times I'd have the whole schedule laid out. So first step is be prayerful about choosing which talk to study for each week. Second is then touch the talk. So on that week, you're going to touch the talk every day. Third, so my next step, once I know which talk I'm studying, the very first touch I make is to just re-listen to the talk or re-watch the talk and just let those impressions, the memory of what I felt and what kind of stood out to me, 
the very first time that I watched or listened to it, come back. So it's just kind of reacquainting myself with the message, with the talk. That could also be reading it. So you don't just have to watch and listen. You could just read it through. But get yourself reacquainted with it. If you can do all three, fantastic. But just one is fine too. Then the next thing I would do is I would take the talk and underline it just using a regular pen. Now, I eventually get to colors, but I don't start there. So I have a ballpoint pen that I also like. I forgot to show this to you, and it's another really fine point. Uh, Zebra. These are Zebra brand pens and then that Zebra brand, brand pencil as well. So second time reading it through, I just mark it with a basic pen, usually black because I want to say blue for when I'm to my colors. And all I'm doing when I do that is I am just underlining anything that just seems to stand out to me. Just nothing in particular. Just, oh, yeah, I like that. Okay, I'm going to underline that. So just really anything that you happen to like. So here's an example of just the first underlining I did of Peacemakers Needed by President Nelson. You can just see a few things underlined there in black. I might sometimes put brackets around things, but it's just a simple, basic underlining. And be careful, because sometimes you're going to want to underline the entire talk. Try to, uh, you know, keep yourself to just the things that are really powerful to you. But but yeah, underline anything that just you really like, that makes you happy or makes you think, or you just think, yeah, this is great. So that's my second time through the talk. So remember, first time, I'm just reminding myself of it, getting the overview. Second time, I am underlining just the key things that I like, things that just jump out to me. Then I go through the third time. Now, when I go through the third time, this is when I pull out my colors. And you can use whatever colors you want. I have a certain system that I use that some of it's really intentional and other parts of it just because I like the colors. So I typically use orange for doctrine and principles. And Orange to me just is, it's like energy, good energy, power to me. It's like, this is truth. I'm not entirely sure if this is accurate, but I seem to remember back when I was in college and in some marketing classes that they told me that that orange is a color that instills trust or truth. So maybe I'm remembering that totally wrong. Regardless of what it is, orange has become my color for doctrines or principles because it, in my mind, it ties to truth. So that's the color I use for doctrines and principles. Then I use green for invitations to act because, you know, green means go. So I use that color to help me identify, oh, that's something I need to do. That's something we're being invited to do or that's something we're being commanded to do or green is go, right? Then I use blue for the promises and the blessings. So these are these six things I'm looking for, right? So promises and blessings. And the reason I use blue is because blue is more of an emotional color. And it's a, to me, it's a, a calming color. And so when I think sometimes, oh, there's all these things to do, then I look at the blue and I'm like, oh, this is what I want. This is what my heart wants. I want these promises. I want these blessings. And I can do this because these promises are tied to the action and because I trust God and I trust the principle and I know it's true, then I can be calm and I can have hope. I feel like blue is also a very 
hopeful color. And sometimes I use a light blue, kind of a turquoise, because to me that's more bright and fun and hopeful. Other times I use a dark blue, and that is not as frequent, but when I use that one, I'm like, this is a big one. This is a big deal. I got to really focus on this dark blue. This is amazing. So those are my three key colors for the three things that Elder Bednar tells us to look for. Then I use red for any like quotable quotes or things that just are like, you know, this, I think John, by the way, calls them sermons in a sentence, but just the really standout phrases that we all take away or key concepts that when I was teaching, I wanted to make sure that I didn't miss. So I use red for this is it. This is the biggie. You know, these are the really, really important things. And then I use yellow for anything that points to or refers to Jesus Christ and his atonement or to Heavenly Father or the Holy Ghost. So the Godhead. So yellow, for me, that's that's light and I want to focus on Christ. So I use yellow for that. And then I use purple for words of warning. Now, I actually love purple. Purple is one of my favorite colors. But in my marker set, I didn't have one that I could use for a warning. I since have found a brown. And so I've, I've been transitioning over to using brown as a warning color. And so if you have a set of markers for brown, that's a good one. Because to me, I'm like, yeah, I want it to be one where it stands out. But also I'm like, I don't want to live in brown forever. I love the color brown. I, there's a lot of good things that are beautiful with brown. But everything was brown. I think I would be very sad. I want to have purple and pink and red and yellow and green and blue and orange and all the colors. So to me, I'm like, the warning says, this is closer to darkness, right? This, be aware. So, uh, but purple became my warning color just simply because I didn't have a brown. So now I'm moving toward the brown now that I have a better marker. And purple then is, well, I'm trying to figure out which one I'm going to use for purple because I really love it. Anyway, so that's just an idea of some of how I use the colors. I also use pink for questions. Questions either that I'm asking myself, questions that the speaker is asking, or questions that I'm going to ask the class. Um, and then structure, sometimes I use different colors for structure. Typically, what I do is I will identify the structure. So, for example, in President Nelson's talk, Think Celestial, from our last conference, there is structure in a lot of different places. So, in the fourth paragraph, he shares, I have learned, these are the things he's learned after 99 or 100 years of living. I have learned that here he gives us three things, right? But he doesn't say, here's my three things. He just, here they are. So I look at him like, oh, he's telling us these three things. First, Heavenly Father's plan for us is fabulous. Second, what we do in this life really matters. And third, the Savior's atonement is what makes our Father's plan possible. So as I see paragraphs like this, I will often put a number by each one, each thing, and circle it. So I'm like, oh, okay, there's a list. There is a structure to this, and I need to pay attention. These are the three things that he's learned, right? Well, that's relatively easy. He didn't lay it out perfectly. He didn't say, here's my three things, and then one, two, three. But that one's still pretty, pretty easy to identify. However, as I got further into the talk, and I will say this often happens about fourth or fifth time through, I started to realize, hold on a second. He's giving us 
another list, but it isn't as obvious. And it was embedded in the talk and he did it with his phrasing. So he actually starts in paragraph 16 as you think celestial. So there's an invitation, think celestial. So that's underlined in green in my paper. As you think celestial, then underlined in blue is your heart will gradually change. So there's the promised blessing. Then a couple, he explains more of that. And then on paragraph 18, he says, as you think celestial, so there's a pattern here, another blessing, you will find yourself avoiding anything that robs you of your agency. So that is a blessing and a principle. And he goes on to explain that principle. Paragraph 19, thinking celestial will also, so there it is again, third, in, third time he's used kind of that specific phrase, an invitation. So I've underlined that in green again. And then we'll also help you obey the law of chastity. So there's the blessing and the principle. And then he goes on paragraph 22. As you think celestial, you will view trials and opposition in a new light. And then the last one, as you think celestial, your faith will increase. So this is kind of that idea of finding structure as you go through it more and more, each time you go through, you'll see new layers. You'll s discover new things. More things will jump out to you. And so my third time going through, I used the colors. Well, it was when I was going through this talk with colors that I started to go, oh, look at this. The starting of this paragraph is green. And then the very next line is blue. Oh, and then it happens again right here. Green and then blue and then green and then blue. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's a pattern. Oh my goodness, there's a structure. Okay, he's just giving us another list, another list of promised blessings, another list of invitations to act as he was teaching us the principles. And you might think, oh, lists, I don't like lists, or oh, that's too much to do. But I guarantee as you dive into these talks and as you spend more time and as you do it prayerfully, the things that you need to know, the things that your family needs, the things that maybe you need to teach and share will jump out to you and the others won't or they might, but they won't stick with you. You won't feel that same obligation if you are prayerful about this. And if you ask, what is it I need to know now? Which of these invitations do I need to take action on first? Then you don't have to be overwhelmed. Instead, you can be inspired and directed as you seek to study and apply what we are being taught by our living prophet, President Russell M. Nelson, and our apostles and church leaders. What has been so interesting to me is that President Nelson and others have said, that, and, and uh, Neil A. Maxwell and so many others, that the Lord is anxious. God is so anxious to share with us, to teach us, to open up the heavens and pour out blessings upon us and pour out knowledge and I can testify that that's true because every time I dive into these talks and give them time and touch them every day, I am shocked and amazed at how my mind opens up and how the Spirit just pours knowledge and understanding and revelation to me. That's specific for me in my life or for my family or for the people that were in my class or for friends, but all of it, it's gold. 
It is just gold. It's amazing. Even down to just a single word sometimes will will prick my mind. It'll just catch on in my thoughts. And so another tool that I like to use is this. It's the American Dictionary of the English Language by Noah Webster from 1828. And yes, you can get your own big copy like I have here, or I very often also use the version that's online. And I can tell you that when I use this and when these words jump out and I look up the word, a whole new understanding opens up to my mind. For example, we have a talk from Elder Stevenson about bearing our testimonies, and that was from April of 2023. And I looked up the word bear. Now, this was interesting because, you know, some of the definitions I thought, oh, yeah, of course, that's it. So definition one, to support, to sustain, as to bear a weight or burden. So if you think about that as a testimony, some people feel like that, right? Oh, I have this testimony, but now it requires things of me, right? I Because I have a testimony, I now must do certain things to be true. So that's one idea, right? Um, the next one is to carry, to convey to support and remove from place to place. And to that one, I thought, oh, well, that's true. Do I carry my testimony with me everywhere I go? Or is it something that I pack away when I go on vacation? No, my testimony is something I carry with me all the time. It travels with me. It is part of who I am. That's how I want my testimony to be. And then this one, to wear, to bear as a mark of authority or distinction as to bear a sword, a badge, a name, or bear arms in a coat. Now, this one was interesting to me because I thought, oh my gosh, am I wearing my testimony? Do people know that I am a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do people know that I am a covenant-keeping woman because of how I bear my testimony? Not necessarily by word, but indeed by how I present myself, by how I dress, by how I interact with others, how I choose to spend my time, right? All of these things, it's a mark of distinction. So just looking at that word, there's, there's more, there's a lot more, but I just thought, oh my gosh, I looked up the word bear in the dictionary. And because of that, I gained so much more insight and understanding about my testimony in my life, my testimony of Jesus Christ, and how I could better live up to my testimony, how I could better bear my testimony. And so what I actually did is I printed out that page from my dictionary, highlighted it, and then I just put it right here, right in with my spiral bound Leahonas so that I have it to remind me of what that meant to me as I studied that talk. So as you study all of these talks, I hope that you will find that you have golden nuggets available to you. I can testify to you that our leaders are guiding us through these latter days and they are doing it under the direction of our Savior Jesus Christ and that everything we need is being taught to us. We have it available to us through our the scriptures. We have it available to us through the general conference talks and it comes to us as we give time to them. I think I mentioned this before, but the first few times through it's just like study. You know, I'm studying, I'm noting, I'm underlining, and I'm getting ideas and I'm learning more. But for me, it wasn't until the fourth, fifth, sixth time through when I truly felt like the heavens opened and my mind and heart 
understood things that I didn't even realize were there the first three or four times through. So I hope you will dive in and not just skim these general conference talks, but make them part of your daily life because they are glorious. There is truth and there is joy and there is hope. The answers to every one of my questions I have found here, questions, I shouldn't say everyone because I still have questions that aren't answered and probably won't be answered in this life. But the challenges I'm facing, the worries that I have, I would go into a talk sometimes thinking, I don't know why I'm supposed to study this talk this week. It doesn't seem to have any relevance to my current situation in my life right now. I promise you and I can testify to you that the talks that we are being given, the instruction, the encouragement, the truth that is being taught to us through General Conference is no small thing, that we will be held accountable and that as we study, truly study, prayerfully, deeply, intentionally study the words that we are being taught by our living prophet, apostles, and church leaders, that your life will change, that you will receive answers to your prayers. You will have the tools you need to handle any situation. You will know how to cope with and maintain faith in Jesus Christ as you go through difficult trials and challenges. You will have the power you need because you will have studied. You will have put forth the effort and God will reward you. He will open the heavens to inspire and direct you and teach you. And you will come to love the words, not only of the scriptures, which I hope you go to as you study. And the words in the footnotes, I didn't even mention that, but the footnotes are amazing. It's like a whole additional sermon on so many of these talks. I like to think of the footnotes as all the pieces they wanted to say, but they couldn't because of time. And they are invaluable. That's another reason I like the Liahona. But as you dive into the general conference talks, the scriptures, the footnotes, your life will change. I know this to be true. I have experienced this. And I cannot tell you how I now hunger and thirst for these words. I love these words. And you can see it each time I go through. Even now, I can go back and I can look at my markings and my notes, my drawings and thoughts, and everything comes rushing back. And it's so amazing. And then I get more. So when we show our Heavenly Father that we are willing to study and learn and put forth the effort, He will answer you. He will share with you the knowledge that you seek, the help and the comfort that you seek. And then he will continue to give you more. So hopefully you will find your own way that works for you to truly study the general conference talks and change your life. They're miraculous. There is gold. There are gems hidden here that people are missing all the time. Don't be one of those who miss out. Jump in and enjoy and feast upon what Heavenly Father has made available to you. I hope you continue to prosper stronger and invite the Spirit into your life and increase in personal revelation. If you would like a tool to help you do that that has been taken from General Conference Talks, then I invite you to go to prosperstronger.com. Just put in your name, your email, and you will find a spot where you can download the Personal Revelation Guide. And I hope you enjoy that. Have a great day and prosper stronger. 
Thank you for joining the Prosper Stronger podcast today. We hope that you have felt inspired and empowered. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and family. I also invite you to join me at prosperstronger.com where you will find free resources to help you grow and learn as well as join in our discussions where we go deeper into some of the things that we talk about here on our podcast. Remember that you are loved and cherished by Heavenly Father who wants you to prosper and thrive. Until next time, may you continue to cultivate covenant connections with God, with others, and with yourself and find strength in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 